Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. series that we've been in called Restoring a Generation. Amen. You know, the first couple of years, uh, we actually just made two years here this, this month uh, being back. So uh, being back. So uh, 16 years total being, being around. And, um, you know, the, I, was a little, I was a little frustrated, uh, to be honest with you, the first um, good year, year and a half. Well, you know, for one, it felt like we just got going and then we, um, you know, then we had a <laughs> had a bout of COVID, right? And everything was just kind of herky-jerky there for a little while. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, just to be honest with you, um, and, and I guess I should have just been more patient, um, but I, I, I felt like coming, uh, coming back after being here 14 years, I had a pretty good bead on the direction of the church or, or, or whatnot. And I felt, like I, I, I felt like we should just be able to kind of just jump right in there. And it, it wasn't quite as smooth as I would have wanted it to be and, um, and teaching and preaching. Obviously, I've got, I got stuff that we could preach for, for years, and, and that's good. And, and to be honest with you, I relied on a lot of that stuff uh, for, for a good portion of what I've preached over the last couple of years. But it's been in the last couple of months, two or three months, and I wish I would have, um, quote, unquote, enjoyed the time previous to this. But when you're a pastor and, um, and you're having a hard time uh, distinguishing the exact vein or the exact word directional word for a entire church. We can always preach because the Bible is going to hit everybody, but there's a difference. I don't understand. I don't know if you understand uh, what I'm exactly talking about. I, I believe you do, but there's a difference in preaching topical and then, and then preaching, uh, uh, being a, a burden preacher. Does anybody know what a burden preacher is? That means that the Lord gives you a burden, a timely in season word for directional purposes. And, um, and, and so although, you know, I, I would study, I could study a subject. If you want to, if you want to know about faith, I can, I can teach on faith. I can teach on, on end times. I can teach on all these things. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying we can do that. But I really like it when the Lord says, this is something that is in season right now, directional, that is going to cause movement in our church, um, outside of just a better biblical understanding of the subject. Does that make sense? And so for, the first, for, for really the last several months now, I feel like that that, I, I mean, I had that when I was uh, in Magnolia and it was a little frustrating coming back here, but I realize now that it was the Lord saying, hey, we've got plenty of material. Just take time to get back acclimated to town and get back acclimated to the church. And so I, I really wish I would have enjoyed that a little bit more. But now, nevertheless, we're, we're here. And I, and I feel like uh, the last several messages that I've preached, the anointed church and, and then different, th- different messages that I've preached, I feel like they're, you know, in season words for us right now. This being one of the biggest ones I feel like that we preached. Uh, it's called Restoring a Generation. And we are on week four and last week we did, um, uh, uh, in t- the, the title was Messy Church, uh, but we didn't get all the way through it. So it's going to have to be a part two this morning. And so just as a, a little bit of a recap, I'll try not to get bogged down on the recap, uh, but we've been in this series and um, we, we really started it out talking about the sobering reality that we're facing, not just with newer, younger people or younger generation, but 
uh, an overall need to restore uh, uh, large groups of, of, of people from each generation. You're not just seeing, because I, I feel like that, that over the years, you've always had uh, factions from a generation that just said, we're not going to serve God. We're not going to go to church. That stuff's, you know, whatever. Uh, and and I'm, I may be speaking solely from being raised in the South and stuff. So uh, people in other areas that are not in the Bible Belt, they may not, may not uh, see this or experience this a lot. But I think that we could all say, because most of us, I believe, were raised right here, or if not right here, in a Bible Belt area. And we can honestly look and say, man, there is a ton of people either A, just completely not in church anymore, or B, their body is in church, but they're not serving God. Could we say it that way? And I'm not just speaking generally about us as a, as a congregation, although it has affected us. And so um, looking at that, used to, you know, you, you could have looked at like, well, you know, that's the college age or that's the young adults and they're just busy or they're just that or whatever. But really you've seen, we've seen, and it may be bigger percentages from each generation, but we've seen uh, anywhere from people, people that serve God their whole life uh, to younger people, to middle-aged people. And, and, it's, and it's, it's all the way around. It's all across the board. And it's, it's worse other places. Um, but that doesn't mean just because it's worse other places that we say it's not that bad here. Now, how many of you know that it's our responsibility as a church to make sure that the, a generation gets restored, amen? Or reconciled for the, in the first place. And there, there's a difference between restored and reconciliation. And we talked about how uh, God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. So a ministry of reconciliation is, is, is the simple gospel. And that is when you meet somebody who is outside of God, who does not know God as a Christian, it's our responsibility. It's your responsibility to reconcile them, to do everything that you can to reconcile them to God, to, to make them understand that Jesus died for them so that your sins would not be imputed or counted against you. Amen. And that is our responsibility as believers. Um, and Paul told Timothy this in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, I charge you therefore before God, meaning he's commanding Timothy. Timothy was his son in the faith. He was a pastor. But he says, I'm commanding you. I'm charging you bef uh, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He says this, he tells him, he says, you need to preach the word and be ready to preach the word in season or out of season, meaning when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. And this is what he tells him to do. He says, you need to make sure that who you're preaching to, you're convincing them. So sometimes I think pastors and preachers, especially today, everybody says, well, I don't, I don't want you to, to, to push me and I don't want you uh, to, to this, that, or the other. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I don't want to feel obligated. Well, Paul told Timothy, convince them. When you convince somebody, they got to feel obligated. They got to feel like, man, uh, just like Paul is charging, he's using very strong language to Timothy. Here's what I found out about today. The, the, the enemy has worked its way so far into the church and into leadership that nobody trusts anybody anymore. And so, and, and, and in effect... The relationship that Timothy and Paul had almost cannot exist in the church today. And it's sad. And the reason why it can't exist in the church today is because there's, there has been so much misuse. And there has been so much distrust. And we'll talk a little bit more about that today. But there has been so much of that, that when someone begins to talk to you about an area of your life that pushes you or that, that makes you uncomfortable, but you know is right, you can just write it off as, I don't need you anymore. 
At any point in time, Timothy could have said, I'm the pastor of this church here at Ephesus. And I will preach to the people what I feel like I need to preach to the people. And you can butt out of it, Paul. That's how it would go today. But how many know Paul was not someone to talk to like that? Because Paul would have wrote a letter or he would have showed up in person and said, this man right here is not following the Holy Spirit no more. Right? So Timothy would have never done that because he knew that Paul had the church's best interest at heart. And so Paul is commanding and he's saying, I am charging you there before the God and the Lord Jesus who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. Convince people of this. Rebuke people where they're missing this and exhort or encourage. I find this almost impossible in the state that we're in as a generation. I find this almost impossible because most people, if you convince them, they would say, you're being a little too pushy. Much less if I came to you and rebuked you for something. <laughs> you would say, none of your business. And if I have no place to convince you and I have no place to rebuke you, then therefore I can't encourage you either. Everybody wants the encouragement without the convincing of the rebuking. Is that fair enough? He says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So here, here's what we have to do. So even in that day, Paul is saying it's not going to happen automatically. Just because you say it once, just because you bring attention to it once, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to convince them with one word. You're not going to be able to rebuke them with one word. You're not going to be able to exhort them. But in all long, with all long suffering and patience do this. And he says, therefore, uh, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And I, I, I think we've probably been there over the years several times, but I can definitely tell you right now, people do not want to hear sound doctrine. And I'm not talking specifically to you, so don't take every word that I'm saying as a direct hit to you unless the shoe fits. Amen? But people want to hear things that sound right. They don't want to hear what's right. That's because nobody wants to adhere to sound doctrine. They want to do what, what Paul said they would do. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will turn their ears away from the truth, be, a, be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And you say, well, what is our ministry? Well, Paul tells the Corinthians what the ministry is. It says, now all things in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So that's our, our ministry. Um, I've got a few other things uh, would be a recap from the previous weeks, but, but I want to just jump right back into last week and finish up last week, which was entitled Messy Church. And so I'll give you just a few little nuggets from last week, um, and we're going to attempt to finish 
up. This, this, is, this is probably the most uncomfortable part of this message, um, of this series. Uh, but I think it's necessary to shed light on, uh, on this so that um, we can do our best in this local body. As I said last week, I, I, I can pray for the church, the universal church, but I don't have any authority in other churches unless at some point people start saying, hey, can you come speak into our church? I, I don't have that authority, but we need to begin to do this here so that here in this local body, uh, we can do our best to cultivate an atmosphere most conducive to Christian growth and maturity. Amen? So we're attempting to expose the messy areas of the modern church. Not, now understand this, this is not us discrediting the church, but to bring health and to bring growth to the church. See, we could all, we could, I could line everybody up here, and if everybody would speak their mind, we could all bash the church. We could all talk about the, the I mean, I've, I've talked to most of you, and most every person in here has got a negative story that you could tell about an experience that you had in church. Our negative experience that you've had with God. Amen? But that's not what we're here to do. We're, we're not here to expose the mess, to, to wallow in the mess, to say, yeah, it happened to me too. You know, to get in touch with all of our feelings about how we feel about all this stuff. Anybody ever tried to clean something up that was messy and it was overwhelming for you? And you end up just sitting there looking at it going... Oh, God, this is going to take a while. Anybody got that room or got that garage or got that shed? or Anybody ever have kids? You've seen those pictures on the Internet where kids got left alone too long and somebody got a whole gallon of bucket of paint and they painted every, I mean, carpet and couch and everything. I mean, I would look into that room and go, burn the house. <laughs> right? Well, that's what some people want to do to the church. They walk in, and, and I'm not saying that people don't notice something wrong inside the church or about a church or anything like that. We're going to talk more about that today. But are we going to look at it and go, that overwhelms me, burn it? Or are we going to clean it up? See, it doesn't really matter who made the mess. What matters is... If we have spiritual people here, if we have spiritually mature people here, it doesn't matter who, what generation or what leaders or, or, or what, what people or, or what thing goes on in the town, whatever caused the mess, it doesn't matter what caused it. it matters, what matters is do you have a heart to see a healthy church? Because if you have a heart to see a healthy church, it doesn't matter who made the mess, who's going to help clean it up? Who's going to step up and stop talking about the mess and start picking things up. Who's going to start make, bringing health to different areas of the church? Amen? And I'm not inherently saying that there's a bunch wrong here. I think we have a wonderful church. I was talking to Christy this morning, and I say, man, you know, you, you look back on some things, and, 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 and we're doing good. We're doing really good. But, but here's, the, here's the folly that I know. About the time you think you're doing good and you let off the gas... Right? It's the same concept of your home. You can clean it up today. But if you don't stay on top of it, it can be a mess tomorrow. Amen? 
How many of you have ever vacuumed the floor once and said, you know, that should do us for 20 years? Now, some of you have done that. <laughs> right? Have you mowed the yard one time and went, you know what, that ought to do for the summer? Some of you have done that. But it's not going to, the yard's not mowed, right? It's not manicured. It's not, it's not in order. So that's really kind of what we're talking about. No matter who made the mess, if we want a clean house, we have to first expose the mess and then do the hard work of clearing, cleaning it up, repairing the damage, hauling away the trash. Now, when I say trash, I'm never talking about a person, okay? Attitudes can be trash, but not the person. You know, uh, uh, all kinds of stuff, different, different ways of doing things, bad doctrine, that can be trash, but, but people are never trash. We, a lot of times we, we, we um, attach people's actions to the person. And we got to be able to say, no, it wasn't about the actions. I wasn't about the person. It's about the action, right? So anyway, we kind of we made this statement last week. I've been hurt by the church. At some point in time, if you're brave enough in here, you said, I've gone to this church my whole life, so I don't want to raise my hand and get people wondering, it's okay, because I feel like everybody's hand should go up. But at any point in time, has anybody, and we'll, we'll remove the word hurt, has anybody in this place at any time gone to a church or been around a minister or a, a part of the ministry or anything like that, and you have gotten your feelings hurt? Anybody? I'll raise my hand. Some of y'all hurt my feelings. You know why? Because you're imperfect and so am I. I didn't say that to make you feel bad. Just It's the truth. And I've hurt your feelings. I might have already hurt your feelings today. I might have not seen you coming down the road or knew that you got a new car and tinted the windows so dark that nobody knows who's in there. And I didn't wave and you might have gotten offended. Listen, if you drive by me or walk by me and I don't say hi, I am not that guy who did that on purpose. You need to do what Mr. Shankle did the other night after the ball game. I walked by a white Jeep Cherokee and the windows were really dark. I'm sure they're legal. And I, I thought, I wonder if I know who's in there, but I couldn't tell who was in there. And I'm walking down the road and all of a sudden I feel somebody drive up next to me and I turn. He's got the windows down. Hey, how's it going? I said, man, I thought I might have known who was in there. That is how you clear up. But you know what? I've literally known people who would have said, well, he looked right at us. Can we all say this word together? Grow up. You big baby. I'm talking to myself. I've seen some of y'all. And I'm one of these people who I'm a people pleaser. So if you're in a bad mood that day, any people pleaser in the house, raise your hand. A few. If you, if, if, if you meet a person, if you're a people pleaser and you meet a person and they have a mean look on their face or a mad look on their face and they do not greet you the way they normally greet you, you automatically assume you did something to them. I wish I had that, whatever it is, to truly not care what your face looks like. 
But that's why it's important that when I'm preaching a good message like this that you smile and say amen. Because otherwise I'm going to go home and went, they hated it. They hated me. That's a little bit of a manipulation right there. <laughs> Whatever works, right? But we've all had, we've all heard those words before, either uh, meaning um, I've been hurt by the church, either from someone we know or from ourselves. Most of the time what I've found out is that it wasn't the entirety of the church. Well, that church down there, or this, that, and the other. It wasn't the entirety of the church that may have hurt you. It may have been an individual. It may have been a group of individuals. Now, I've, I've had people get their feelings hurt because they wanted to be a part of a social group within the church, not the church. And when they joined the church or got to be a part of the church, and then that social group that they saw out and about doing things didn't accept them, they got mad at the whole church and said, that church is a, can anybody fill in the blank? Click. No, the church isn't a click. There's a group of people that do life together because their lives just kind of match up. And it was your preconceived ideas that you were going to be a part of that group and that you were joining that church to be a part of that group that hurt your feelings, not them. This is real talk. Because I want to expose things that make messes in churches. We can serve God together and not go eat dinner together. Although, if you ask me to eat dinner and my schedule is free, I'm coming. <laughs> Amen? But people say this stuff all the time and they don't even understand. Here, here's what I've seen. I've seen people who will be friends with as many people as they want to be friends with. And it's okay for them. But if someone they're friends with goes and does something with other group of friends, they're automatically mad. So you can have as many friends as you want, but that person can't have anybody but you. That's called narcissism. Hitler. You want to control everybody and you think you are the one person that everybody, you're the nucleus of everybody's world. Can everybody say it with me? Grow up. Right? Grow up. I, I've gone from preaching to meddling, I know. But I'm getting somewhere. But people do that. I, 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 I remember this one lady. She came to me one time. She's gone on to be with the Lord. And she was really a sweet lady. She just got her wires crossed. I went to go do a hospital visit of one of her friends. And so she took the opportunity while I was doing a hospital visit for one of her friends. She called Christy and I to go do a hospital visit for one of her friends. She didn't go to the church, but we went. And uh, we were there. So she took the opportunity to begin to bash other people in our church and tell them how rude they were and, and how unfriendly they were and uninviting they were and that they had tried and tried and tried to be friends with them, but they don't want to ever do anything with them. They don't ever want to, they don't ever invite them to go out after lunch or after church and, and all this stuff. And so I, I knew that there was, there was about three or four other ladies that really engaged with this lady. And I said, well, what about so-and-so? Well, what about? I said, are y'all friends? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, well, what about so-and-so? Are y'all friends? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're friends. And I named about five or six people. I said, sounds like you got a really cool friend group. Why are you wasting time trying to be a part of this group 
that this is why they're, you know, they, they do this, to, their, their kids do this, and this is the part of life that they're in. You're not in that part of life anymore. And so, although they love you and they say that person goes to our church and they would probably do whatever you actually needed done, they're probably not going to hang out with you. And you're over here offended at the whole entire church saying the church isn't friendly because really you don't want to be a part of the church. You want to be a part of a group that you think makes you look popular. Are we 13 years old, guys? Good Lord. And y'all nodding y'all's head and laughing, but you know you thought the same thing. Your body left high school, but your mind didn't. All right, I'll move on. I'll get into some other areas. I want to talk about now the difference between true abuse and hold on your seats, looking for an excuse. There is true abuse, okay? And I'm not making light of that. Um, I'll never hide the fact that there, is, there, are, there are those in church or in churches that have 100% taken advantage of those inside and outside of the church. I've been a part of church for 22 years, actually longer than that, but I've been in the full-time ministry for 22 years. The first couple of years that I was in the church without being in full-time ministry, I had what you called, I, I had the rose-colored glasses on. And, I, and I, I desperately tried to keep them on. I desperately try to keep halos and wings on every single person that is a part of the church. Why? Because I, I want to always be believing the, the best out of people. But those first couple of years, you know what I mean? You go to church, you're like, everybody here is sitting with Jesus at home. You know? How many of you know figured out that's not true? <laughs> and so, that being said, I could spend a couple of days telling you story after story of my own account, and then story after story of others. I can tell you stuff that completely would repulse you and, and just go, what are you talking about? That, there's no way that happened in the church. And I'm not necessarily talking about this church, but I'm talking about stories that I've heard abroad, locally, stuff that I've experienced and that other pastors of friends of mine that have experienced. It, there, there's some true abuse. True abuse is purposely taking advantage of another person and using religious power, authority, mental or physical of bullying to gain control of a person or persons for selfish gain. But I also believe, even though that's true, and we're not, we're not dismissing that, I also believe that the enemy works overtime to divide and pry away, put a wedge between believers and the rest of the church by bringing in offense that leads to an excuse and false accusations of abuse to justify leaving the church and could eventually lead to leaving the faith altogether. And I believe that this offense comes from the next thing that I'm going to talk about, and we've talked about it a little bit. That offense usually comes from unmet, assumed, unspoken expectations that lead to offense. I'm going to say that again because it sounds like a mouthful. But think about this. Most of the time people get offended and they begin to make accusations against pastors, leaders, 
the church in general because someone's expectations, assumed expectations that were unspoken went unmet. Some of you husbands do this to your wives and some of you wives do this to your husbands and that is why there's friction in your marriage. Because you make assumptions that that man is going to read your mind and do eventually what you thought he would do since before you married him. It's been 20 years. It's not happening. Unless you go, hey Bubba, this is what I expect out of you. And then Bubba has the opportunity to go, well, you didn't say that in the beginning. You signed the paper, so here we go. It's a little joke. Y'all can laugh a little bit. <laughs> but it happens in the church. People come into church and they have these ideas of the way you're going to pastor them that may or may not be biblical. They have these expectations on you as a church, as a board, as a worship team, as children's department, as youth department. They've got all these expectations as to how it's going to be. And really, this expectation is a mashup between maybe good things that they have been a part of in other churches, things that they've heard other churches do, and then they're just own ideas. And they put these expectations on you and they're watching to see if you're going to do those things. And if you don't, and they never speak of this until they're done. And then they say things like, I'm not getting fed here anymore. Or that church this or this pastor that. But it all comes, it's offense that comes from unmet, assume, I mean, assumed, unspoken expectations. I wrote something down this week as I was studying this. And so, <coughs> so that I get it right. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I may just read it. Church is messy sometimes. Like our homes are messy sometimes. And the reason why is because all of your homes showed up in one place when you got on campus. You brought everything with you. Now some things stay tucked away and tidy and hidden <clears throat> unless there's pressure put on you. Or maybe while you're still new and you're still comfortable. Or I, I should say you're still filling the situation out. But as you get more comfortable, who you are and who your family is begins to come into the church too. And so church can be messy sometimes because sometimes our lives are messy and, and we're all gathering here together, right? The church shouldn't be a place where we feel we have to suck in our gut and dance the dance. You know what I mean by that? Suck in our gut and, 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 and dance the dance to be accepted. But a place where we all know we're here because of one reason, and that was that G if it wasn't for Jesus Christ saving us and the church that he put us into, we probably wouldn't be worth the clothes we're standing in. Amen? That's why, we're, that's why we should be here. Not to project 
some kind of perfection. But it, it doesn't matter how much you, you make a year or what you live in or, or, or what you drive or, or what you wear. Just like it doesn't matter about me either. Now, it matters personally to me, but it shouldn't matter to you. And I shouldn't have to project something that I'm not to be accepted in the house of God. I ought to look at you, whether you make $1,000 a week or whether you make $10,000 a week or $500 a week or no money a week, look at you and go, I know why you're here. You're here because Jesus saved your life and puts you in the church. And I'm here because Jesus saved my life and put me in the church. Thank God. I wrote this down. No human being, and when I say human being, you could, you could, you could pay me all the money in the world as the pastor. No human being can micromanage the church. There has been many a man try. There's been many a woman try. But no person can nor should try to micromanage the church. There's no healthy way to police a congregation. No healthy way to police a congregation. And I know you personally don't want to be policed. And you personally don't want to be micromanaged. But I would guarantee every person in here has seen a situation in the church that they would like the pastor to police and micromanage. But you yourself do not want to be police and you yourself do not want to be micromanaged. Am I hitting close to home anywhere? But we've seen things like pastor ought to straighten that out. And yes, there are situations where we do have to put boundaries. And I'm not talking about those extreme situations. I'm, I'm talking about normal, average, everyday things that are just against our personal preferences. There are our pet peeves that make us decide whether we're going to stick around at that place or we're going to start to begin to make, pick it apart and make excuses. So no human can micromanage the church. There's no healthy way to police the congregation. It's not a minister's responsibility to keep people in line or straightened out. That's not my job. No human, I want you to really put your listening ears on this because this is going to help us. And I, I'm not up here complaining I'm up here exposing mindsets that have been in, not, just, not necessarily just this church, but in the church surrounding the ministry, surrounding the church of God. It's been here no matter what denomination that you've ever been a part of or that are being a part here. We're non-denominational, so I get a unique view of, of, of talking to Baptists, of Methodists, of Presbyterian, of Catholic of Word of Faith people, of Assembly of God people, of Pentecostal, United Pentecostal. I get a unique view of hearing these stories. And we're not all that different when it comes to the way people have tried to micromanage and police congregations. It's not all that different. Different pet peeves. One place wants you to dress one way, another person wants you to sing one way. One place wants you to preach one way, another person wants you to live one way. They've all got, we've all got our pet peeves. And most of the time, the ministry has taken valuable time that we could have been preaching the gospel together as a congregation to keep people in line and keep people straightened out to look the way we want them to look and to sound the way we want them to sound and to present a good picture of our brand of Jesus for 
What? Yeah, and I said our brand of Jesus. Most of the time, instead of people really preaching the gospel of Christ, we're asking people to sell our brand of Jesus. Jesus don't need a brand. He's Jesus. He don't need our name, our church's name attached to it. People say that we got to do that because we, people need to know where to go if they like what you are preaching. But it's gone from that to marketing your brand of Jesus. And why do we market our brand of Jesus? Because we want to prove that our brand of Jesus is better than the brand down the road. That's not right. So all that leads to all this other. And I feel like that because we've had, and like I said, it's been stronger at different times and it's been stronger in different churches and others, but I'm, I'm trying to help us to expose little things. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's these little things that attach to the church that begin to take over and begin to distract from what we're really here to do. Am I making any kind of sense to you? No human can process the personal opinions of every person that walks through the doors and custom create each individual's unspoken yet expected church fantasy world. I'm going to say that again because it's real good and probably need to be a book written about it. No human, when I say human, whoever is in charge, no human can process, can take in this information and process the personal opinions of every person that walks through the doors of a church and then take those opinions, those personal ideas and custom create for that person or that family the individual's unspoken yet expected church fantasy world. I'm going to say something else that's kind of strong. Don't go to church, don't go to a church because it checks all the boxes for you. That's a new terminology. We know we went to your church and it checked all our boxes. You know what that means? They had a test that you were unaware of until you either passed it or failed it. Now I understand having to have beliefs that are in line with what you feel like is the Bible. But I hear more of that than I hear we prayed and our family, we took time And we knew that God was calling us somewhere, but we just didn't know where. And then as we prayed, and as me as the husband of our house, I began to see that God uh, directed me to go there. And this is where we feel like we're supposed to be. Not because you checked my church fantasy world test. Because I will guarantee you this, if that's the reason why we go to church or go to a church, that test will at some point fail. And then what do you have? 
We've got, we've got members of this church that have, you know, and if you move away, your job takes you away. That's, that's one thing. But, but we have members of this church that have been here since its inception are short after that. And they've weathered good times and bad times. They've weathered times that were okay, times that were great, and times that were like, Lord Jesus, what are we going to do? They have weathered those times. They've weathered the times when there was money and when there was no money. They've weathered the time where there was, there was uh, uh, fit ministers and there was unfit ministers. And the reason why I believe is because they believe that God called him here to be a part of what God's doing right here. And like I said, I understand different circumstances, different scenarios. But I'm wondering how many places have you jumped ship when there was just a season where you didn't just love what was going on? Again, if you prayed and you asked God to show you where you're supposed to be and you came, great. But if it was for any of the reasons that we've talked about today that were just silly, is this okay? That's all I got. I'll say it again. No human can process the personal opinions of every person that walks through the doors and custom create each individual's unspoken yet expected church fantasy world. Yet, more times than not, people move in and out of churches. And not just in and out of churches, but people move in and out of their commitments to that church based on this unrealistic scenario. Church is messy, but I will say this, church is beautiful. God's church is beautiful. Don't go to church to see how many boxes it checks for you. Go because it's where God's people are. Go to church to serve and not to criticize. Go to encourage others, not to see if there's someone there like you or people that you want to rub elbows with are there. Go to lift up the name of Jesus through song and prayer and praise, not to hold your worship as a protest until they play the type of music you like or create the emotional atmosphere that you prefer. Plug your kids into the children's and the youth programs, not because they like it or want to go. <laughs> if you're waiting for your kid to always like it or want to go, they won't. And then you won't because you'll use your kid's attitude as an excuse not to go. Well, they just didn't want to. My kids didn't want to do a lot of things. My kids are pastor's kids, and I don't give them any slack about it. My kids started that some time ago, once. Well, I'm a pastor's guy. I said, shut up. Yeah, I use that word. Why? Because it's the only word. I said, if it wasn't for the church, you wouldn't be where you're at doing what you're doing. You wouldn't have what you have. You better hush. Don't you talk about it. I said, I don't know who put that thought in your head, but it don't fly in this house. We're blessed. You're blessed because you're a pastor's kid. Well, I'm not getting, I'm not, I'm not trying to expose them. I love them. They're a normal kid. 
They're normal. They're normal people just like you. We Normal people try to find any and every excuse to stop doing something that is good for them and to start doing something that is not beneficial to them. That's humanity. So plug your kids into the children's and the youth programs, not because they like it or they want to go all the time, but because they need to start understanding that we're a part of this church. Not always for what they get, but what they bring. We ought to be bringing love. We ought to be bringing encouragement. We ought to be bringing faithfulness. Bring our hearts. We're here to serve and not to be selfish. We're here to gather as Christ's bodies, learn about Him, experience His Holy Spirit, honor Him through worship, and be connected to His body. Teach your children that no one here is perfect. Just go ahead and tell them, rip the band-aid off. Nobody here is perfect, but we're all doing our best and we're all at different stages of spiritual maturity. Teach your children that church is not about them, yet at the same time all about them. Teach them that church is messy, but that it's beautiful, and that you'll receive more from being a part of the church than you could ever pay back. So, big question, because we're letting down all our defenses by talking about this, what if there's truly a bad or manipulative or toxic person in the church and things happen and people get hurt or taken advantage of? What if? Because it's happened. It's happened to me. It's happened to many of you. So what do we do if that happens? Things happen like that all the time at the school and we never discredit the entity. You know what we do? We deal with the person and we deal with the situation. But we dare not say, let's burn the school down. Let's not go to that school no more. Now, there probably are extenuating circumstances and people probably had to, have had to leave school, schools. But at the same time as a whole, we don't, we dare not. We don't lump it all the way to the whole school issue. We, we link it to a leadership issue. We link it to a personnel issue. And we deal with that person. We deal with that problem. Things like this happen all the time on sports teams. But we don't decide that we should cancel the, that, that particular sport. And most of the time, we don't even speak out against the team. What do we do? Most of the time, it all lands, lands on the coach. We need a new coach, right? We need a new coach. Unless they're winning, and then we'll let a lot of things slide. Here is the dirty truth. No one ever looks for an excuse to quit those natural things. They're always looking on how they can make those natural things like sports and teams and schools and always looking to see how they can make those things better in the midst of people who have wrong hearts and wrong attitudes and wrong motives. We never once think the way we do about the church. And the other dirty truth about it is, is most people are not always, and I'm not categorizing everybody here because there's some really awesome people here. 
But I'm talking about this, this generation that wants to abandon the church because there's flaws here. And there's flaws in the church. Most of them are not looking to better the church. They're looking for an excuse, a valid excuse to leave. Which has created pastors who work overtime to do the song and dance to keep people who are continually looking for a reason to leave anyway. I won't name them. The pastor, he's a nationally known pastor. But I've had friends that have gone to his locations. When I say locations, he's got multiple campuses. He's all over the internet. He's all over TV. And some people have great, idea, uh, great things to say about him. Other people don't, like, like anything else. But, I, but they left our church because they had gotten jobs over on the East Coast or the eastern side of the, the, the country. And, and so that was where they went first because he was the nationally known minister. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to get to go to so-and-so's church. And so after some time being over there, they came back to visit. I said, well, how's it going, going to so-and-so? Oh, we're not going there anymore. Why? He said, I got to tell you, it's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever been to. He said, if a hundred people from that church, either from staff or volunteer, came up to us, 98 of them said, how was your experience today? Did you like your experience today? How was your experience? You know what that is? It's the monster that has been created because people are not enduring sound doctrine anymore. They just want you to check their boxes. There is a huge part about being a part of the kingdom of God and the church that has got nothing to do with your experience and has got everything to do with the fact that you signed up for the Lord's army. And you're here to get marching orders, to get equipped for the work of the ministry, not to whine about the color of the walls or that if your experience got all your boxes checked this morning, Let's flip that around and let's go through the New Testament and see how many demands used to be put on the people for ministry. Because most of us probably would not make it in one of Paul's churches. Because Paul would expect you and I to be doing what he wrote in the letters See, I told you back when Paul told Timothy to convince and rebuke and exhort that that convincing and that rebuking part is, doesn't make you very many fans. But I'm exposing the mess that has created the modern church today and getting real, real, real with you. And the reason why is because it is time to clean up those mentalities because we are creating weak Flaky Christians. We're birthing them. We're putting them out left and right. And when things get tough, nobody stays, nobody sticks. Churches fit into the calendar after all the dates that we want to fill up with everything else are filled. 
Now, I'm smart enough to know that making statements like that, the people who really do serve God to, the, to their fullest are going to take that and they're going to even try to do more. And the people who don't are going to say, oh, he wasn't talking to me. But I'm telling you, now is not the time, guys. Now is not the time. We, we, we enjoyed some, what I would call some jubilee years through the maybe 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. But right now, it's time for you to sure up. It's time for your family to sure up. It's time to begin to speak, begin to speak differently about your commitment to the kingdom of God. Not just, just to this church. If, if I said things this morning that completely ticked you off and said, I don't agree with that, anyway, don't agree with me. Don't, don't, you don't have to like what I said for it to be true. But, but, but I would say, if, if you say, well, that's the last straw for me, I'm never coming back again. Good. Take what I said this morning and apply it somewhere else. Because what I said is true. Amen? Um, I'm going to read one scripture before we leave. Two. Colossians 4, 5 and 6 says, Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace and seasoned with salt that, may, that you may know how to answer each one, and then go to Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Four. Um, start in verse one. Finally then, brethren, we urge... And exhort in the, in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel and sanctification and honor, not in passion or of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. But concerning Brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your, hand, your own hands as we command you that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. You say, why do you, why do you read those two scriptures at the very end? Because I want to show you the difference between someone trying to control a group of people and manipulate a group of people to, to, to do some of these things that have been do, being done all year and what Paul would do when things were getting out of kilter and when, when things would get out of kilter, Paul was not 
afraid to say, look, there's some things that are going on. And although the the grace of God covers that, but you need to remember that you were born again and you're not supposed to act like the people who are outside of God, that you're supposed to remember that you're on this process of being sanctified, even though Jesus uh, paid for your sins. And then he goes into it and he says, he says, but listen, uh, you also, some of you also just need to mind your own business. And you need to work on yourself and you need to understand the, the, the part that we play in the house of God. And we need to make sure. And so he's putting all these things in order. And, and I say all that to say that we have to learn the difference between someone preaching and ministering mad and preaching and administering the hard truths of the word of God and bringing correction to our life, bringing rebuke to our life. Not because someone is, is upset, our person is upset with you, There's absolutely nothing I preached this morning that I had one person in mind. It actually is hard for me to preach stuff like this because I am a people pleaser. But at the same time, I can't back off of this for myself or for you, especially if I begin to see things going a certain way or something that's been lodged in the church for a long time. And I think some of these mindsets we talked about this morning, they're messy and they're lodged in the church. And it doesn't matter why you do the things that you do, why I do the things that I do. It doesn't matter who made the mess. What matters is, do we want it cleaned up so that we can produce an atmosphere where it is the most conducive to good Christian healthy growth? Do we want to leave a place for our kids? And do we want to leave a legacy for our grandkids that they're not soft and they're not flaky and they don't, they, don't, they don't leave at the drop of a hat and they stick with things and they pray through things and they know the word of God about things and, and they're not just there for what it does for them, but they understand their role and they understand their place and they understand that they're a part of the church. They don't just go to a building on Sunday and Wednesday. So that's kind of heavy for our kids. It's not that heavy. We preach that stuff to them when it comes to teams. How much more important is the kingdom of God? Amen? How much more important? We teach the kids the importance of teamwork, but then it's a free-for-all when it comes to serving God. I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.